we have a wonderful guest speaker today. Worldwide, he is known as Apostle and as Doctor. He's highly revered throughout many parts of the world, but to us, he's our Pastor Rick. And we just love him and welcome him and so grateful that he's here to share with us. Amen. Thank you for moving everything so well. Thank you for the worship team. And uh, everybody look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. You know, before I even start, I just want to ask you just a question here, if it's okay. Uh, how many know the size of your praise is directly determined by the hell that God brought you through? If you went through a little bit of a hell, then the size of your praise is going to be a little bit small. But if you went through a big hell, I want you to know that the size of your praise is going to be much stronger, much more anointed, and much more connected to God. How many here God took you out of a pit? How many here God took you and rescued you? How many here God has healed you? How many here God has restored you? How many here God has touched your family? How many here God has baptized you? with the Holy Ghost and how many here have better names written in the Lamb's book of life if you do let's stand up and give God a big shout of praise today for he's good he's worthy and what he brought you out of is just the beginning of what he's going to bring you through in the days to come to bring honor and glory to the Son and everybody agreed said amen, amen. you can be seated you say, why do you have to shout? Because the mess that you might be in today is the future miracle that God has. And whether that mess was started by you or whether that mess was started by someone else is not what's going to happen. It's going to happen because God is a master at taking the messes of life and turning them into a miracle. Come on. I've always said this for years. The mess that we're in is the future message. The test that we're in is the pointing us to the direction that God is taking us. I want to just encourage you today. Our, our prime minister made a statement last month, about six weeks ago now, and they, he was asked this question by CBC. He said, is Canada broken? And he actually said, no, it's not broken. Everything's fine. How many know not just Canada's broken, but how many know the nations of the world are broken? How many know we're living in a society that's broken? Come on, church. And how many know you and I are broken people with a, with a whole God that wants to take the broken pieces and bring them all together? I want to just encourage you with this here. In 1983, everybody say 1983. There was an evangelist, and many of you may know his name. His name was Billy Graham. And Billy Graham went to Amsterdam in 1983, and it was the first international conference for, uh, for what they call interim uh, evangelist that was there, itinerant evangelist. In July, actually, that just happened, got July 7th, it actually marked the 40th anniversary of that their meeting that he had together bringing them. That conference brought in 4,000 attendees from 133 different nations. How many can say that was in 1983, all right? But the Amsterdam conference is one of the largest international gatherings of all times. Fast forward 40 years later, a movement that started back in the late 90s that we've been a part of from the very beginning. I'll never forget, and my wife is probably right there watching today, when we were in Baton Rouge, Louisiana at Dr. Larry Stockstill's church, and Billy Wilson came in, Dr. Billy Wilson, and there was one seat left in the whole place, and he sat right next to us, and he was looking for somebody from Canada to connect with the vision for Empower 21. Can you say Amen. The rest is all history. Here we are now. Empower 21 is a global initiative, okay, of a relational network that aims to help shape the future of the spirit-empowered movement throughout the entire planet. What many are not aware of right now is that we are facing incredible challenges in the gospel of Jesus around the world today. What we, many are not aware of, though, is the gospel of the kingdom Jesus said would be preached in all the world before the end would come. Come on. He didn't say in parts of the world, but he said in all the world. And he also said that I saw a great multitude out of every nation, kindred, ethnic group, and tongue standing before the throne of grace. 
to summarize what's going on in the world right now is for the first time in history we're seeing a global movement with a vision that Jesus, when he rose from the dead in 33 A.D. Come on, everybody knows that. Well, in 33, 2033 is very significant from, from the time of Adam in the fall to the time of Abraham was 2,000 years. From Abraham to the son, come on, was 2,000 years. Can you say amen? And how many know from the son now, a Pentecost 2,000 years ago is 2,000 years. In 2033, we now have all the tools, we now have the finances, we now have the evangelists that are ready to go into all the world and fulfill the great commission that every soul on the planet will hear the message of Jesus Christ by 2033. There's no competition, there's no comparison. It's not about who's who. It's not about this ministry or that ministry. It's very humbling when you're sitting in a room where there's a group of people that are there that have started over there, and now they have over 52,000 churches planted in the world. It's very humbling standing in a room where they've reached over 9 million people since 1990. And I'm talking one guy, one group, Dr. Adeo from Nigeria has planted churches. I was just in, uh, in Regina prior to going to Amsterdam and over there for their churches over there, the redeemed churches. It was blown away by the passion that they have that everyone, everybody say everyone, is a soul winner for Jesus. And that's just one of the things. I'm over there in uh, the World Pentecostal Conference and Kathy and I are there together. And this guy comes up and he gives me a bag of coffee. And I just say, well, thank you, man. That, that's really kind of you, you know? And so I started talking with him a little bit. And he's a, a leader in Ethiopia. But I didn't know him. I never met him. He just felt to give me this bag of coffee. And so I took this bag of coffee. Well, my friend Daniel, uh, uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel King from Tulsa, Oklahoma, who's married to Jessica, who is a part of Ministers Network Canada that we oversee. That's his wife. And she's a part of our organization he just got back from Ethiopia, and that guy that gave me the bag of coffee has one, listen, got three million people in Ethiopia now born again, spirit filled. Come on. I'm telling you, this is, this is what's going on in our day and hour, and all we hear is the bad news. Come on now. All we hear is the negative of what's going on. All we can see is the corruption going on. All we can see is the distortions that are going on and the hatred towards the church. But God doesn't see things the same way we see things. God said this is the greatest time of opportunity in the history of the church. And every one of us has a place to play. Come on. Every one of us has a part to play in God's end time scenario that's going on right now. I want to start this here message today with a vision that the late Smith Wigglesworth had. And Dr. Lester Summerall was one of my personal mentors for many, many years, actually shared about this vision and shared this passion to reach the world to many of the young evangelists. Many of you may know Rod Parsley. He was one of them. And I can go on and mention some of the names that Lester has impacted over the years. But he had a vision, Smith Wigglesworth, in 1947 that was an open vision. And he saw three waves of the spirit that was going to hit England, but was going to get the entire planet out of there. And he said the first wave of the spirit that is going to hit, and it came actually 20-some years later, was called the charismatic movement. Everybody say the charismatic. How many in here got saved from the charismatic movement? I got saved from the charismatic, and many Anglicans got saved, many United, and many, uh, many uh, uh, Episcopalians and other mainline denominational people got saved in the charismatics. As a matter of fact, from the meeting that I just had a few weeks ago, they tell us that now there's over 150 million born-again, spirit-filled charismatics. Can you say amen? Which, we don't, which, which people don't know. If you look back from the 19th century into the 20th century, and if you study that actually out, you'll only see a few documented cases of people being baptized with the Holy Spirit. We don't know exactly how many, but it was not many at all. Only a few documented cases that we actually had. But listen, in 100 years, we went from actually a handful to 650 million Pentecostal charismatics in the world today. Come on now. And that's on the conservative lower end. They're telling us we're probably hitting 700 million right now. 
Within the next two years, they're talking about hitting over a billion charismatics, over a billion baptized with the Holy Ghost. What we're seeing is an unparalleled move of God today. Uh, Twelve years ago, there was not a working relationship with charismatics and Pentecostals. There was like a wall that was up there, but through the grace of God and by the power of God's Spirit, He has obliterated that wall. And now for the first time in history, Pentecostals and charismatics are now working together to usher in the Son of God and the Great Commission. Come on. And to fulfill it. So by 2033, we have a mandate from heaven that we are going to have every soul on the planet is going to hear the message of the cross, is going to hear the message of the blood, is going to hear the message of Jesus, and it's the good news of the gospel. Can you say amen? And that is actually happening now. So in Amsterdam, after those 40 years with Billy Graham, the first one that broke the ground up, now under the leadership of Dr. Billy Wilson, who's the president of Empowered 21. You can look it up. It's a global initiative, as well as the World Pentecostal Organization. And by the way, we, Kathy and I, we sit on the board of both of those organizations. Can you imagine a charismatic sitting on a Pentecostal board? Amen. And we're in the room speaking and influencing some of the things that are going on. I'll actually be over in Finland in just a few months going over there now, planning the whole world Pentecostal that's going to actually be held in Finland in 2025. So, so things are moving globally very, very rapidly. And God, listen very carefully, is not asleep. God is not on the ball. Let me tell you something. God is ahead of every game that the world is playing right now. God knows your yesterday. Listen, he knows your future better than you know your yesterday. And he's got everything planned. Everything is going just as he had planned it. Now, let me just state something very clearly. God is in control of all those that have yielded to the lordship of Jesus. Amen. Amen. He's not in control of, 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 of all the, the craziness that's going out there. And he's not the one that's doing all the bad stuff out there. Amen. Amen. And let me just say, he's not permitting it. Man permits it. He's not allowing, man allows it, not God. Come on now. And so that's, that to me is 101 in, in, in that aspect of it. But here's the thing that you need to understand. The Bible prophesies about the greatest wave of the Spirit of God in all history. And Smith Wigglesworth said number one would be the Catholic charismatic. You'd see the, the gifts of the Spirit being poured out. That was the first thing that he actually saw that actually has culminated now with 150 million of them. All right. The second wave that he actually saw, that he said it would be uh, partnering back and forth. He saw people with the word of faith, with notebooks in their hands, taking notes everywhere that they went. From not just the teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, but on healing. The teaching on forgiveness. The teaching on righteousness. The teaching on restoration. So he saw all this here. And a major church planting movement that would go, that would actually impact the entire world. And you know what? We're living to see that today. I can tell you there's groups all across the globe today that are still church planting uh, in, in, in areas like Iran. Come on now. Underground churches. Areas in China. Areas that are going on. All around the world. And many of them are paying a dear price for the gospel that's going on. I can tell you that there's areas in northern India right now that are experiencing incredible revival. You probably heard in the news some of the, the terrible stuff that's in the atrocities that's going on against the Christian women that are up in that area. But I can tell you firsthand the revival is breaking out all over northern India right now. And Mahdi government doesn't know how to control it. Come on now. They're doing everything that they can to try to appease. But how many of you can't stop what God has started out there? The kingdom of this world shall become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever. That's what is going on right now. So that was the second wave that we saw was the church planting movement. And Kathy and I were some of the first ones in the late 80s that actually went in to the former Soviet Union. Pastor Luke and Christine were with us. And over there, we were planting churches and seeing things established. The, the church that I pastored sold a lot of finances in to church planting across Russia that are still going now. There's pastors that we planted churches that have churches of 5,000 in Russia today. And so we're seeing incredible things that are going on globally around the world. But Smith also saw one more wave. And the third wave is the one that I want to focus into in just a moment today on how this wave is going to ignite. The third wave was that of mass evangelism. Unparalleled evangelism that actually when Summerall was interviewing him, uh, the late Dr. Summerall, 
Smith couldn't he hardly even talk about what he had saw. It was so unparalleled and so unprecedented. And he saw difficulties, he saw challenges, he saw hard times, but he saw the gospel and the great commission being fulfilled. He saw it going into the entire planet. Can you say amen? amen. And that's the wave I believe that we're not uh, looking forward to. It's the wave that is already entered into. If you can just lift up your eyes right now and see beyond Canada, see beyond the United States, see what God is doing globally, it will literally blow your circus of what he's doing in Central America. You've probably heard about in Nicaragua, the individual that was there, the new president that took place, and he says, we got to stop the gangs. It was one of the most dangerous nations in the world. El Salvador, I think it was one of the most dangerous nations in the world, and he in prison built all these incredible prisons, penitentiary, and, and arrested all the gang members where now it's one of the safest nations in the world. We can see transformation like that taking place, but many aren't aware that it's the gospel of the kingdom that is being preached in these here areas. Kathy and I had the opportunity to go to Brazil last year and, and work with one of the churches there that's just in, unparalleled. I was not scheduled to be one of the speakers. I was not on the agenda. But the head bishop that's got a church of over 40,000 over in Kenya uh, was not able to get his visa at the airport. He had everything all done. His paperwork was all in. But the government refused to allow him to come in. And so he had to cancel. So Marco actually asked me if I would do the services. Can you say amen? And I ended up preaching down there. Now that's opened up another whole aspect of Europe because there are church planners all around the world. So we're seeing some amazing things that are going on that God is doing. But the last move is what I want to just share about for a little while with you. So many believers today are focusing in on the darkness. So many believers today are focusing in on the media. So many believers today are focusing in on the political. Let me just tell you, Donald Trump is not the answer for the world. Let me tell you, Justin Trudeau is not the problem in the world, okay? There's principalities and there's powers and there's rulers and spirits of darkness that are behind these men and women. Come on that are in operation out there, that if we try to wrestle, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But many believers, listen, they've lost their peace. Many believers have lost their passion. And what comes out of their mouth is not the love of Jesus anymore, but what comes out of their mouth is anger. What comes out of their mouth is discontentment. What comes out of their mouth is, you know, all this hatred and all this venom and all this bad stuff. How many know that's not the God that we serve, amen? Jesus never tried to change the political structure. He never tried to change it because God's purposes are going to be fulfilled no matter what happens with the political. Amen? Does that mean we shouldn't vote? Absolutely not. We should be out there and vote. But listen very carefully. Watch that you don't get infected and your conversation comes up now where it's all this negative junk that's all coming out. I'm telling you, if you have, you've lost your passion for God, you're backslid, and today God's brought you here that you need to repent and get your focus back on, and let's win a soul today. Let's get somebody into the kingdom today. Let's talk somebody about the love of Jesus. Let's talk somebody about the righteousness of God. Let's talk somebody about the restoration that God has. Let's talk somebody about the future that God has. Let's talk about heaven a little bit. Let's talk about hell a little bit. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. But listen carefully. So many believers have gotten sidetracked today. And God's calling us back to our first love with Jesus Christ. Can you all say amen? Now I want to tell you. So Isaiah 59 describes a society. And this is the three things that are permeating through chapter 59 in Isaiah. He says they hatch vipers. Come on. How many know a viper isn't a critter that I'd like in my house? Okay. It's not one you want in your marriage. It's not one you want for your family. How many know vipers has got a negative connotation? When Paul was bit by a viper, how many know that wasn't a good connotation? But he shook off the viper. And that's what we need to do is shake him off. The second thing it says that they had, they had snakes, okay? I, I personally don't like snakes. I had a neighbor that actually raised snakes and, and many, many years back. And, and I personally didn't want to go over there, didn't want to see them, don't like them. Those slimy creatures do nothing for me, amen? Okay, plus the, if we understand the Bible, the Bible said that the serpent, he's under our feet, amen? He's not in our conversation. He's not in the midst of us. He's under our feet. Why? Because he's raised us in heavenly places with Christ. And the third thing that they hatched is spiders. So vipers, 
spiders and snakes. Think about that. And this is what the prophet describes that's going on in the culture. This is what the, pro the, the prophet described the world condition was going to be like. This is exactly what he said in Isaiah 59. You can read that chapter, and I encourage you, don't just take it because I'm saying it, but take it because it's the word of God. Can you say amen? But then there's a movement that he says. He says, when that happens, he said, it's not time to quit. It's not time to back down. It's not time to slumber. It's not time to become comfortable. It's not time to be apathetic. It's not time to have the Laodicean comfort zone Christianity. But it's time for the church to arise. Come on now. The Bible says in Isaiah 60, if you can put it up up there for just a moment, the prophet says this here in the scriptures, arise and shine for your light has come. Everybody say, your light has come and the glory of the Lord. Come on, guys. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. And he says this here, for darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But he says, then, not before, the glory of the Lord shall be risen upon you. Now, if you understand anything about the glory, the glory, listen very carefully, is not future tense. It said, the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. How can it rise upon you if you don't have it already? Come on now. And Jesus said, the glory which I have, I have given to you that you may be one. The glory has a purpose. It says in 2 Chronicles 5, 17, the glory of the Lord entered into the temple. And what happened? The priest could not stand because the glory of the Lord was so strong. The glory is the manifested presence of the living God that we know it. Jesus in his last discourse in John 17, I believe it's around 23 to 25, he said, the glory which I have. So he possessed that glory in an earthen vessel. He says, I have given to them. He doesn't have it. He's given it to us today that we may be one. Now understand this, the Godhead works in perfect unity. Did you hear what I just said? The father is, is never going to say something different than the son. The Son is not going to say something different than the Holy Spirit. Come on. And the Holy Spirit will bear witness to the Son. We know these things because we've read His Word on all this. So the Godhead works in perfect unity. And the oneness that God wants us to operate in is the same oneness that the cross paid for 2,000 years ago. And so unity is going to be a, a very, very important portion, a very important part of everything that we're going to do for God in these next days. Now, I can't overemphasize this here aspect because everything in the kingdom of darkness wants to do just the opposite. It wants to divide us, wants to destroy us from the inside. Come on now. Wants us to get our peace with God gone. Wants us to get our peace with one another gone. And that's why he's given all of us, not some of us, the ministry of what we call reconciliation. Amen? And there's some people, listen very carefully, they don't want peace. The Bible says, as much as lieth in us, let us live peacefully with all men. Okay? Didn't say with some men, but with all men. But as much as lieth, we do our part, but others also have a responsibility. So the word arise means to get up from a place of sitting down. It means to get up from a place of kneeling down. It means to come to a place of an awakeness, and it means to move upward, and it means to ascend up. To come up from a lower to a higher position. To come uh, above the horizon. To come up from one's bed or one's place of repouse. It also literally is translated to ascend. So when it says to arise and shine, the word shine means to give forth our glow with light. What I've recognized now that's on the inside of every one of us today is the manifest glory of God. Come on. And Jesus said, let your light, permit your light to shine before men that they might see your good works and bring glory to my Father which is in heaven. Amen. So how many know, listen very carefully, it's already in us. So he says, arise and shine. He says, it says, arise and shine. So important for, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. And then he says this here, for darkness, two different words. For darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. The first darkness that it speaks about 
is the darkness of misery. It's the darkness of wretchedness. It's the condition of circumstances, distressing or suffering that's going on that's caused by a need, that's caused by provocation, that's caused by poverty, that's caused by great mental and emotional upheavals that's going on. This is the first darkness that he speaks about. For darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. And he says over there, extreme unhappiness, destruction, ignorance, wickedness, obscurity. And then he says, thick darkness or deep darkness. That speaks of gross darkness or heavy darkness shall cover the people. That word darkness means an overall state of melancholy, a gloomy state of mind, especially when habitual or prolonged depression or low spirits. If there's anything that we've recognized in our society today is people are no longer happy. Okay, and no matter how they try to fill that happiness, it's no longer ministering to them. It's no longer, it just gives them a temporal fix, and then they got to get up the next morning. So overall, we can see, and this isn't just over here in Canada or the state. This is happening in nations around the world where there's an overall state of dissatisfaction. Can you say amen? So what does that mean? What, do, what does this all mean? So darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But then my glory shall be manifested or seen upon you. If you read the rest of the book of Isaiah chapter 60, you'll see that this is the time now when the darkness is there, when the deception is there, when the snakes and the vipers come on and the scorpions are all being hatched. This is the time that God says he's going to move. It's the time. And if you look at these parallels all the way through, I want you to know there's over 660 references in the scriptures of persecution. There's over 660 of grief, of despair, okay, of disappointments, of heartache, of broken heartache. This is all part of being in the world. But how many know I started off at every mess that you have, God's going to turn it into a miracle. Come on. Every mess is going to be. Now, how do I, how can I actually make a statement like that and not give you a Bible? Well, there was a mess in the early church and you can find it in the book of Acts chapter six. And in Acts chapter six, you'll see that the Hebrew widows and the Grecian widows were having a strifeful con uh, uh, contention between the two of them. The Greek widows felt that they were taken better care of than the Hebrew widows, and they just got in it. And so the apostle goes up. So how many can say that was a mess? How many can say there's strife? Come on. If you've ever been in strife, I've said this here when, and Kathy's watching this right now, the closest thing to hell in this here world is when there's strife in a marriage. Okay. The closest thing to heaven is when there's peace. Can you say amen? Okay, and we don't want to go to the other one. And, and, and so we see here's the situation. So there's a mess that's going on in the early church. So the disciples said it's not good for us to leave the word of God in prayer. It's not good for us to go and meddle into this situation. But he said, we're going to appoint seven men with the, that are filled with the Holy Spirit over this here to deal with this here matter. And then the very next verse after they did it, they laid their hands on them and appointed them to that area of ministry. That's where we get the deacons of the church today. That's where you get, if you want to call it, the ushers in the church, the greeters, the, the helps ministry of the church was all there. And by the way, Stephen was a man full of the Holy Ghost that did miracles amongst them. So I believe that in I and I, we're going to see the ushers doing miracles here. Amen. And so it's just part and parcel. But here's the point. It said immediately after that happened, immediately after the circumstance, immediately after the mess took place, guess what happened out there? It said a great company of the priests, the religious leaders of the day came to the faith. And it said, and the word of God grew and the word of God multiplied. Amen. So out of the pain, listen very carefully, out of the pain came the purpose so that the gospel could spread and multiply to the nations. You say, well, that's one verse. I'm glad, so happy. But, well, let's just go to another one out there. There's another one in Acts 16. It says, Paul and Barnabas, okay, were together. And then they got into a big fight over in Acts 15 out there. And it said the contention between the two was so strong that Paul actually ended up taking, excuse me, 
Paul took Silas and Barnabas took John Mark. We can see that it was a, a, a debate that came up between them. There was an issue that came up, and they just couldn't settle away. And so the two of them departed. So we see now Paul goes to the Philippi. He goes to the town of Philippi. As a matter of fact, Kathy and I are supposed to be going there in February to that region today of the world. Thessalonica, Philippi, they're all there. And so we have an invite out there, an on-fire work that's going on over there. And so we plan on going there. And so here's what's going on in Philippi. So they beat them to a pulp, Paul and Silas. It said they were vehemently beat. They were beat and, and they put them in the lower, the lower part of the prison, which is called the dungeon. And they put stocks upon them. They put chains on their feet, chains on their shoulders, and chains on them so that they could hardly move. And so guess what happened out there? At midnight, the Bible said they let out a praise to God. Come on now. And it says, as soon as they started lifting up their voices to God in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their trouble, and they weren't praying, listen very carefully, they weren't praying for the ones that hated them. They weren't praying for the ones that did it. They were praying to the God of their deliverance, to the God of their salvation. They weren't focused on the negative things that were happening to them, but they focused on the purpose. You will never enter your purpose as long as you're stuck in a rut of your past. Why? Because God has you out there. He says, remember not the former things. Come on now. Are the things of all. Behold, I do a new thing. God had a new day and a new door and a new opening and a new assignment for Paul and Silas. Come on. And so their job was to give God praise. Amen. And so in the midst of it at midnight, why did it take till midnight? Why couldn't it have come at 11 o'clock? Why couldn't it have come at 9 why couldn't it have come in the morning when they got thrown in the jail? I don't have all the understanding, but I do know that God has a midnight hour of deliverance for his people if they'll focus and praise him. And so guess what happens? Paul and Silas, okay, they start praising him at midnight. And at midnight, all the chains fall off of them and all the chains of all the prisoners fall off. Okay, now here's the biggest miracle to me. All the prisoners now are free. All their chains are gone and not one of them leaves. Okay, that's a miracle there. Okay, so here's what happens out there. God had an assignment for Paul and Silas to fulfill. And that assignment was God wanted to birth a church over in Philippi. And he does it oftentimes in unorthodox means and uses some of the most uh, different people to establish his kingdom. Come on now. So what happened out there? The Philippian jailer finds out that all the chains are falling off of all the prisoners. And he goes to take, uh, he's going to take his life. He's going to commit suicide because he said, hey, he said, if one of the prisoners escapes, my life is on the stake. And so I'm a dead man anyway, so I'm just going to end my life. And Paul says, hey, 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 dude, don't, don't do that. He said, we are all here. Can you say amen? And so what transpired out there, the Bible says the Philippian jailer, but Paul came up and they, they washed his wounds and Silas's wounds. And then what happened? They ended up leading that Philippian jailer to Jesus. Come on. And not only him, but his wife. Come on. And not only his wife, but his kids. And that's where the scripture comes. As for me and my household, we will be saved. How many know his whole household came to Christ Jesus? Amen. And then guess what happened? They all got baptized. And then guess what happened? The first church in Philippi was birthed in a dungeon in a prison cell. And guess what happened after that? Paul writes of the epistle to the Philippians. And he calls it the epistle of joy. Galatians is not called joy. Ephesians is not called joy. Colossians is not called joy. But the book of Philippians, birthed in hell, come on now, was a place that God called the joy of the Lord broke out. Boy, there's another whole message we could go there. Are you learning anything? So here's the thing, the question that I bring to you. Your trouble is the springboard to God's deliverance. Your trouble is a signpost that God's doing something behind the scenes. God's not the one that brings the trouble. See, most believers don't believe the word of God. Okay? If they did, they wouldn't act the way that they do. What do you mean by that? The Bible gives you an exceeding great and precious promise that many are the afflictions of the righteous. Okay? If he just said a few, then we can handle that. But he didn't say a few tough breaks in life. 
He didn't say a few bumps in life. He didn't say a few betrayals in life. He didn't say a few disappointments in life. He didn't say a few hardships in life. He didn't say a few broken heart experiences in life. But he said many are the afflictions. Come on now, church. Of the righteous. He didn't say of the sinners. He said of the righteous. Have you ever wondered why the many is there? Because we live in a fallen world. And you and I, when we gave our lives to Jesus, now become the targets of hell. What do you mean by that? He didn't care about you before. He already had you where he wanted you to be. But how many know after you got born again, you know, I, I remember, you know, some people believe that once they got saved, everything was going to be a bed of roses. And I said, you're the most ignorant people on the planet. Okay, and they are. They're ignorant. They don't know their Bible. And so here's the thing. It said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Your focus cannot be on what could have been, what should have been, or what would have been. Your focus needs to be, okay, God, you said you delivered me out of them all. I'm in this mess. It wasn't my fault. I didn't plan on getting here. But here I am today. I want you to know your addiction doesn't define you. The betrayals don't define you. The disappointments don't define you. The frustration doesn't define you. The old man doesn't define you. But God has already defined you as his son, as his daughter, as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that you can't add a thing to and you can't take a thing away from. So here's Paul, Silas. They start the church. Then you go on to another one. The Bible teaches us in Acts chapter 27. Paul comes up and he says, hey guys, it's not wise that we let this boat take off. I've been on the Mediterranean, Pastor Howie and Marsha are here, and we were in a bad storm a few years ago, just prior to COVID. We were in the last ones that went out. And I'm going to tell you what, that boat was moving pretty good. Come on. The waves were actually coming over 16 floors all over. I, it, it was bad. Nobody was in the dining room and this and that. As a matter of fact, we got in there and they told us to go back because uh, everything was just bouncing around. And we actually weren't able to go to, to Livoli, the, the last port that we were going to in Italy, uh, where the Leaning Tower of Pisa is at. And the reason for it is, he said, if we don't get into port now, he said, we're not going to get there tomorrow. The storm's going to get worse. And it truly did. So we ended up going in there. So we've been out there on the storm. But it tells you in Acts 27 on the Mediterranean, there was a storm that hit, and it hit for two solid weeks. And it says after 14 days, they got rid of everything, the cargo, they got rid of everything. And Paul told them, he said, guys, it's not good that we go. Come on now. But Paul had an assignment from heaven. And until your assignment is finished, the devil cannot take you out. Come on now. I want to tell you, every one of us got an assignment from heaven inside of our life. And until your job is done, until your commission is done, Paul says, I've finished the race. I've finished the course. Now I know that there's a crown set before me. He knew that his time was there, but he had finished it. He wasn't in the middle of it. He wasn't in the three quarters of it. He said he knew that his time was come. Come on. And I want to just tell you this here because so many people, you know, they talk more about what the devil can do than what God's doing inside of their lives. And quit focusing on hell and start focusing on the heaven. That's why I started it off today. If God's given you a little, if you've only had a little bit of hell, then how many know you have a little bit of praise? But if you have a lot that God has done for you, how many know there's a whole lot of praise coming out? Amen. So here we are now, Acts 27, and you'll see out there that the, the boat was there, and Paul said, don't go, don't leave. He said, it's not safe, it's not going to be good, and I perceive there's going to be great damage that's going to come. Sometimes in life, other people's decisions affect us, okay? In marriages, when divorce comes up there, it's not always equal that two people did the same. Sometimes there's somebody that's been unfaithful. Come on now. Sometimes there's somebody that wanted to walk. How many know, listen, it's not always the way we see it. Come on. And, and so the apostle says, it's good that we don't go. So they said, we're going to go anyway. So the shipmaster and the owner and the captain got together and they said, no, we're going to go and we're going to sail. So they sail and they get out there. And after a couple of days, the storm got really, really bad. And so after 14 days, you can read this in the scripture. Why did it happen at 14 days? Because it says all hope of being saved was there. All hope was being saved was lost. There was no more hope. There was total hopelessness. And the Bible says that the apostle Paul had a visitation the night before the 14th day. 
And in that visitation, an angel, you can read all these stories in the scripture. In that visitation, the angel of the Lord says, Paul, you are going before Caesar to preach the gospel. I've destined, it's part of who you are on the inside. It's your assignment in life. And so he said, everything in this ship is going to go down. Everything is going to be broken up. But he said, don't be afraid. He said, not one of you is going to lose your lives. Well, how many know under Roman law, how many know that if the boat's going down, how many know the prisoners on that boat are to be executed by Roman law? But because that's just Roman law. And, and because Paul had favor, the other 259 got a ticket. And all 259 and Paul were saved and they got over there. Come on. And so isn't it amazing when the ship broke up, they started putting the fathoms. They, were good. they knew what the depth of the anchors were going down. And they said, hey, we got to be near land right now. We're hitting some areas here. And so when they got there, they came into a rock field. And the entire boat now, all the cargo was already gone. All the protect, everything they had that was good was already gone. And guess what happened? It hit this here reef over there. And it broke up the entire ship. Come on. And so the, the jailer lets all the prisoners go free. And they say, just grab a hold of boards, grab a hold of planks, grab a hold of whatever it is that you can and, and try to swim to safety. Come on now. And they end up, listen very carefully, at Publius, they end up at, at one of the leaders, uh, political leaders' home. And when they got to this political leader's home, guess what happened over there? When they got there, uh, they finds out that his father-in-law was sick, Publius. And so he said, listen, we got to take care of my father-in-law. So they bring him in, and then Paul heals him. Can you say amen? After Paul heals him, guess what happened? All the islanders come out there, and they all want hands laid on them. Guess what happened? Revival broke out on the island of Miletus because of the apostle Paul. Can you say amen? Because his destiny was not fulfilled. I want everybody to stand up for just a minute. There's a few things I want to close with that's going to, I believe, encourage you today. And everybody say amen. amen. Dark seasons will come your way and dark seasons are going to come my way. How many know you cannot stop the dark seasons from happening in life? Let me tell you, the seed will never grow in the light. The seed always grows in the dark seasons in life. And there's a principle that I've learned of from the word of God that I want to close with. And it's called brokenness. We don't like talking about brokenness. We don't talk. But the Bible said this good news was preached. Listen very carefully. He said, I want the good news to be preached to the poor. The poor is not what we would know today as the less fortunate in the society. The poor is not the one that can't make ends meet. He said, I want the good news preached to the poor, and the poor means the afflicted one. It speaks of the one that's in grief. It speaks of the one that's in sorrow. It speaks about the one that's in a difficult time in life. It speaks about an individual that I guess the best way that we could say it is just broken in their life. Can you say amen? And he says, I came to heal the brokenhearted. After that there, when you see that in Isaiah 61... He literally took the shofar, the ram's horn, and he said, Jubilee is now here. Amen. What does that mean? To the brokenhearted, to the afflicted one, to the depressed one, to the isolated one, to the obscure one, to the one that's failed, to the one that's addicted, to the one that's missed the mark. He said, Jubilee is here. What does that mean? All the debts of your life have been paid for in full by the Son of God. And they would blow that shofar, and all the land that they had lost was restored back to its original loader. All the penalty of slavery was broken off their life, and now they're free men. And Paul uses that terminology and says, I was a slave to sin, but now I'm a slave to Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? A servant to his righteousness. So we have to understand these principles. It's the broken one that God inhabits with. It's the broken one that God uses. Multiplication is destined for every one of our lives. Amen. He wants to multiply your influence. You can be seated, everybody. I'm almost done. I'm watching the clock closely over here. 
Okay, you can listen to me. Multiplication of your family, multiplication of your gifting, multiplication of your revelation. God wants to multiply everything, but He never listened. The multiplication never took place until Jesus broke it. Come on. And when He broke the bread, He dispersed it, and the multiplication came in. It's out of the broken seasons of life that Joseph went through for 22 years of contradiction, never seeing the prophetic word fulfilled. After 22 years, God fulfilled the prophetic word. Can you say amen? Moses went through 40 years in the backside of the desert, and he saw the prophetic word fulfilled. Can you say amen? He saw the land, even though he was not able to enter it. He saw it in the vision. Why? Because instead of hitting, instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock. And God said, it's not going to be by man's strength. It's going to be by the Spirit of God. So this is what I want to close down with you today. In the Jubilee, this is what he gave you. Are you ready for this here? I want you to get this. This is what Jubilee meant. It said, Jubilee brought deliverance. Jubilee brought release of sin, loss, failure, errors, bondages, and rejection. And remember that Jubilee came after we arose and we shined. So you have to arise. And then what happened? You enter in to your Jubilee. Jubilee means debt cancel. Jubilee means restoration of all that we lost or all that was forfeited with all that was stolen. Jubilee means he's given you beauty for ashes. Jubilee means encouragement for all the morning. Jubilee speaks of joy for the morning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. Jubilee is the building of the old ruins. And a new jubilee of restoration. It means that you shall be named now the priest of the Lord. In Revelations 1.6 we are called kings. And we are called priests. The kings had the authority in the, in the natural realm. And the priest had the authority in the spiritual realm. God's given us a priestly kingly anointing today. Jubilee calls us the servants of God. Jubilee decrees that you shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. Jubilee gives you the double honor and the double portion for all the shame. Jubilee gives you the double anointing. Jubilee gives you everlasting joy. Jubilee gives you the uh, descendants an everlasting life. Jubilee has an everlasting covenant. Jubilee means my soul shall be joyful in my God. I'll be clothed with the garments of salvation. And he's covered me with the robe of righteousness. And everybody said amen. amen. I found out too. Let me tell you. I found out almost 50 years ago now. That God wanted Jubilee for my family. Can you say amen? I found out that God wanted Jubilee for my life. I found out that God didn't want me in the things that I was involved in. But he had another whole path for my life. And I found out that when I made that decision to connect with him, spirit, soul, and body, things started shifting in my life. Now I'm ready to close. Are you all there? Stand up if you will. I don't like the attacks from the enemy of my soul. I don't like the circumstances that come to my life that try to smother me out. I don't like the dark seasons of disappointments, the brokenhearted, the betrayal, and the discouragement. I don't like the pain that it brings to my soul. I don't like the process of humbling that it brings. I don't like the shame, the hurt, and the discomfort that it brings. I don't like the life that doesn't seem fair, that injustices surround me and on every side. But it's not about what I don't like. Come on. It's about my choices. It's about my attitude. And it's about my destiny in Christ. Okay. But I do like the restoration that God brings. I do like the double for all the trouble. I do like that the latter days will be better than the former days. I do like the new things that God is doing. As I close and I got three more minutes. Is that okay? I want you to hear the word of the Lord. And then I'm going to read a prophetic word. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Amen. When was the last time you meditated on God doing a new thing inside of your life? Come on. The older that we get, listen, listen very carefully. Caleb was in his 80s when he entered his destiny. Can you say amen? We're not all done. The gray hairs that are in this room, you're not all done. It's just the beginning. And we got a job to work generationally, okay? Okay. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? 
I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So many people preach sermons on the book of Job, but they leave out the best part, the end. Okay, and the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Maybe it's time to start praying for your enemies. Come on now. His friends weren't really the best kind of friends that I want to hang with you. Okay, indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And then all his brothers and his sisters and all those who had been his acquaintances before came to him, ate food with him in his house, and they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. And each one gave him a piece of silver and a ring of gold. Come on. Now the Lord God blessed the latter days of Job more than the beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels. He started off with seven and three, and then it said 1,000 yoke of oxen. He started off with 500 and 1,000 female donkeys. He also, he had seven sons and three daughters, and he called the name of the first Jemima, the name of the second Ketziah, and the name of the third Karen Kabuch. And I could preach on that there another whole message because I wrote a book on those three names. And in all the land were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job, and their fathers gave them an inheritance among their brothers. And after this, Job lived 140 years. And he saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. How many can say amen? This is what I want to close with, my third closing, which is normal. Okay? The prophetic word, and this came to me at an incredible time five years ago. And this is the word. It said, I will restore you. Do not be afraid to follow me into the unknown. For I am the one who leads you on and restores your life. I have placed within you my glorious treasure, and I care for you. This year will be a year of restoration in your life. You will end this coming year restored in my love, strengthened in my grace, and surrounded with songs of joy. And your joy will be shared by angels, for they are with you, my child. They walk beside you, guarding your life and preparing the way. God says, I will restore you. Never limit me. I will restore your family and those you love. They will see me in your life. And know that I am the one who gives back to you. And what has been lost, don't doubt my grace that is enough for you and for your family. I say to you, I will restore you and provide for you in ways that will reveal my heart of love. No mercy brings gifts and surprises and supplies all that you need. There will always be provision for your needs. And in my mercy, I will reveal where you can find me. For this will be the season of abundant supply for every need you have. How many need to hear this today? Come on. Okay, hang on. I will restore your mind and your heart as you come before me. Crooked things will be made straight within you. For everything I do for you, I do inside your heart. Healing your spirit and soothing your soul. Come and find my heart and I will restore your heart. Greater passion will rise within you to feast upon my word and drink of my spirit. The hunger I give you will bring you deeper into my grace and my love for you. I will restore you and your dreams. Come on now. Everybody just smile at that one next year. I'll restore you. Come on now. Say it like you mean it. I'll restore you and your dreams. And he said those desires within you for completion and to touch the life of others, I will fulfill. Promises made and promises kept. As I speak deep within you and in the whispers of the night... I will watch over every word I speak to you, and it will be fulfilled. This day begin a new season of dreams fulfilled. You will laugh with joy when promises are fulfilled and your impossibility removed, and you will see that my ways are perfect. Can you say amen? amen. Father God, all that the locust stole, all that the canker were stored, all that, Lord, those termites, all those ones that they stole... Father, I thank you. It's a time of restoration. And I'm hearing the voice of God say, as he did to David of all, yes, it's time to go. It's time to move and to recover all. And we can see later on in 1 Samuel 30 that David did exactly as God said. And even though the men tired out, even though the 200 left him, guess what? The other ones went in and they were restored and they recovered all and nothing was lost. And I'm hearing the voice of God say, be encouraged once again for the word of God. A cloud, the day star with inside of your heart.
to arise. Get your eyes focused back on the promises of God. For have I not said that they are yes and they are amen unto your lives. It's your time, my friend. It's your time to rise. It's your time to shine. It's your time to kick devil butt. It's your time to aggress. It's your time to advance. It's your time to share. It's your time to weep. It's your time to pray. It's your time to intercede. It's your time to connect with God. And out of that connection with God, you're going to hear the whisper of heaven. You're going to hear the downloads of heaven that will be given just as Issachar had understanding of the times that he would know what Israel ought to do. So shall I give you understanding of the times that you'll be able to navigate in and through the challenges of life and the difficult seasons that are before you. It's not a time to back down. It's not a time to quiet down. It's not a time to shut up. It's a time to speak. It's a time to decree. And it's a time to agree with what my spirit is saying and doing in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed, said amen. amen. Glory to God. Be encouraged today. God's got your back. Be encouraged today. He's got you for the double for all your trouble. Be encouraged today that he that started a good work in you is going to perfect that good work right up into the day of Jesus Christ. Be encouraged today that God's not short. His hand's not short towards you, but his arm is there. Be encouraged today that by his stripes you are healed. Be encouraged today that my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Be encouraged today that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Be encouraged today that I saw a great multitude out of every nation, kindred and tongue standing before the throne of grace. Be encouraged that you've been called to that. Be encouraged that this is our time. Be encouraged that harvest season is here in Jesus name. Amen. Look at the one smile next to you at the one next to you. Say your best days are ahead of you. Tell him it again. And tell him it one more time. One from the Father, one from the Son, and one from the Holy Ghost. Kathy and I are going to Israel in November. We'd like you all to be a part of that. If you're interested in joining me. Listen, people say, well, you know, there's trouble going over there. There's more trouble in Canada than there is over there. And so anyway, we're not moved by what the media says. Come and just invest into your life and your spiritual journey. We're going to have the best time ever this November. See me afterwards. I have some brochure. Bill and Rose and the other teams come up here. If you need ministry today, listen, don't leave church until somebody's agreed with you in faith. Don't leave church depressed. Don't leave church obsessed. Don't leave church bitter. Don't leave church unforgiving. You come down and you make those areas right in your life. And you watch and see what the Spirit of God is going to do to your life. Have the best day ever. Love and appreciate y'all. And look forward to being back again in August. May you have the best day of your life. Amen. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us for the After 9 show. So uh, my name is Sarah Quinlan, and we have here Pastor Howie Mulder. And we're just going to share with you what was on our hearts about what we got out of the message today, how church was for today. Um, basically, what we're doing is we're giving you an opportunity, if you had to stay home today or watch on live stream, to be able to socialize with friends. So assuming we're friends. We're friends, right, Pastor Howie? Amen. Okay. Um, so we're happy we get to spend this time with you. Pastor Rick Shimatero just gave us the word today, double for your trouble. So he had a lot on his heart today, and I think, think he felt a little rushed, but he did a really good job. Was there anything that stood out to you specifically today, Pastor Howie? I have one point in my head. Well, you go ahead tell well, me. Well, the one thing he was talking about was the three types of people in Acts, when he was talking about the snakes, the vipers, and the spiders. Right. And I was immediately curious because in my mind, I'm like, vipers are snakes, right? But I looked it up during service. I gave it a goog. And you know, the difference between a snake and a viper is um, vipers are poisonous. Very poisonous. And their, their um, jaw can unhinge yep. to eat. Right. And they're a lot bigger than your run-of-the-mill snake mm -hmm. and so I thought that was interesting because he said this there were snakes but not only were there snakes there were also vipers so I, I really thought that was kind of crazy that's it 
<laughs> well, let's, let's just end up with the 27th chapter of Acts where he ended up with. Okay. With Paul on that island. Yes. After that great storm. And the Bible says he was out gathering some sticks. Yeah. And a viper. Yeah. Attached itself to Paul's hand. Right. Now, as poisonous as that snake was, the islanders were looking for Paul to die right away. Right. But all she did was shook it off into the fire. Yeah. You know why? Because there was power in the blood of Jesus. Yeah. That was in Paul. Yeah. But before that, they were on this boat out in the sea. Okay. The front part of the boat was held fast by the rocks. Yeah. The hinder part was torn up by the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them got away and escaped. Okay. But Julius, the centurion, willing to save Paul, here's what he said. If you can swim, make it to shore. If not, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And they all made it safe to yeah. shore. And what I got out of the whole message was this. Okay. Your present location is not your final destiny. Wow. You can make it on broken pieces. They, they all couldn't swim, baby. Yeah. But some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. Wow. And they all made it safe to shore. Does it, did it say they all made it safe? They all made it safe to shore. Does it say how many there was? There was 276 people. Oh my people. gosh. And listen, they all made it safe to shore. Wow. So I'm telling you today, I don't care where you are in life today. Yeah. You can make it. Yeah. On broken pieces. You read that chapter. They all made it safe to shore. And those islanders thought, well, look, you know what? Paul escaped the sea. Yeah. And that violent snake suffered him not to live, but they made a mistake. They said, hey, he's not dying. So there was something different. But you can make it. I don't care what your situation is. Yeah. Sarah, baby, you can make it. Thanks. On was, broken pieces. Was that the same place where they uh, made a... Oh, no, that was Moses. Where he made yeah, like yeah. a... Yeah, Moses sorry. put up a snake. If yeah. you look to a snake, then you will be healed. You'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That was great. And then he, he went on a, a tangent about... Well, it was, it was great. It was a good tangent. But he was discussing about Paul and Silas and when they got to the prison. And something he said, I... Um, like if you read further, it says that the prisoners were freed. But it doesn't say the prisoners left. No, they they did. stayed. Right? And yeah. so it's like, it was, that was exciting for me because they were praising God and they were worshiping God, right? And then everything just, the great earthquake came and the prisoners stayed. So in my mind today, I was thinking, I'm like, do you think they stayed because they were also in a moment of worship or were they scared out of their minds? They were probably afraid, yeah. but, but you can be set free yeah. and still be bound. Oh, yeah, that's really good. I was in prison in Poland one time. Yeah. And I was preaching and I preached about that. And I said to the prisoners, you can all be set free today. Yeah. And you could hear a silence throughout that whole prison and you could hear the guns being locked and loaded. Oh my God. And <laughs> the interpreter didn't say what I said. So I looked at her and she was shaking her head. I realized what I was saying is you can be set free today yeah then i had to correct it yeah i said you can still be bound yeah but you can be set free because they didn't understand i was talking about spiritually yeah Not they thought i was going to try to cause a riot take their chains it. off their right. wrists right so that's it <laughs> today's the day where your chains can fall off literally literally spiritually and that's right and, well and physically i mean if you need help we can i'm sure that's right but <laughs>
you know, it's really, it is really encouraging to hear these things. And, and then Pastor Rick also discussed um, the, the Jubilee and that extraordinary uh, heart is the, to live in that life of Jubilee, right? And so, you know, um, it was called Double for Your Trouble. So he, he touched on Job a little bit. He kind of, he really, he hit a lot of points today. He really did very well. But, you know, when you're in that adversity, like Pastor Howie was saying, you can make it to shore on broken pieces. When you've got the chains on your wrist, when you're stuck in that prison cell, like there's, there's nothing that's too hard or too difficult for God to intervene, to help you through it. You know, I, I made a joke to Don today. I said, Don, I, you know, there was something that came up and I said, Don, listen, it's going to be impossible and I don't think I can do it. So I'm not, it's not going to happen. And Don's like, oh, you're telling me that mm. you can't do the impossible. I said, no, I, I can't, I can't Don. Like I honestly, <laughs> but you know what? Today God can. Amen. And so even if I can't do the impossible, I know that my God's going to come through for me and he's my middle man. I've got this new thing that I've been saying, Pastor Howie, what? maybe it's theologically wrong, but I'm, I've been telling myself, so like I've had a couple little mini crises this week, like little things that weren't lining up, wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And it was like all at once, boom, 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 boom. They all started happening. Right. So one day I was sitting with Pastor Sherry and I'm like, oh, God loves me more than anybody in the world. That's right. <laughs> Is that wrong? Can no, I say that? No, that's true. That's true. Listen, if God had a nightstand, yeah, I would be my right. picture would be right there. Yes. And I believe that about every one of us. Yes. But you said something about um, uh, being alone or whatever. Listen, he said, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Yes. And he asked the question, is there anything too hard for me. Yeah. And Sarah, if you could hear throughout eternity, you would hear, there's nothing too hard for God. Yeah. You can do it. Yes. You know, it's really encouraging. And I think that's the, just what we're riding on right now. In this day and age, you know, sometimes God's timeline is not our timeline. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the things that are happening, we can't understand. But I think if, if we can continue to hope, continue to press in, I think that hope and trust in God is the most bravest thing a Christian can do in this day and age is to trust in him and to hope in him. Even when circumstances and, you know, situations and people are saying the opposite of what you believe, keep hoping, keep trusting, keep believing. Pastor Brian always says that hope deferred makes a heart sick, but a sudden good break is like a spring of life. And so Amen. I believe that for you today. Pastor Howie believes that for you today. Amen. That today is the day God's going to come through for you. If you don't see it happening, you're going to feel it happening. Have that expectant hope that pregnant pause that god's doing something in your life today amen so keep hope alive keep hope alive you know what and i think that's a great word for this this wait this season this time keep hope alive keep trusting keep praying and um you know so tomorrow we're meeting at the lighthouse uh, we meet every monday and then they had talked about um oh i forget the day i believe they said it was august august 12th on a wednesday august 9th Okay, say. it's in August. It's a Wednesday, um, but we're going to be meeting and we're going to be doing the, you said the eighth, Larry? He's getting it. So we are meeting and we're going to be doing uh, uh, August 12th. I don't think so because I think that's a Saturday. August 9th. <laughs> August 9th. We are meeting here. And we're going to be having an opportunity to be able to pray together, to have an hour of ministry time together. Um, you know, last, last time we met, we had all joined hands. We all were praying on God stretching us and God growing us, growing our faith, growing our spiritual walk, you know, and um, it was just a really beautiful time. So I want to encourage you, if you are joining us at the Lighthouses on Monday nights, come to that on August 9th, on Wednesday. You will be really, really blessed. And do you have any words in closing, Pastor Howie? No. You're all done. You all got all done. your words out. Okay, well, that's all we have for you today. My name is Sarah Quinlan. We have Pastor Howie Mulder, and we wish you the very best day of your life. We will see you tomorrow at 630 at the Lighthouse. Amen.